changed. So we now have a 9.30, which is early, let's be honest, a 9.30 service and an 11.30 service. Interesting, the 9.30 has been the one where a lot of people have, have, have come to. And we are seeing just so many people coming through at the moment, people visiting uh, who have been once, and it is, it's great to see that kind of continued growth going on. So that's, that's really encouraging. Um, do, do, do you know about the hub? Do you know about the hub? As, as people mentioned, we have a, in Park Mall in Ashford, we have a, a kind of centre where the church offices and all sorts of other outreach things going on. And there's quite a lot of exciting things happening there at the moment. Um, I probably can't say too much, but there's discussions with the people who run uh, the whole of Park Mall and other things that we can involved in. They actually want the church to be more involved in Park Mall and how it's run, and they've got places where they say, what can, how can you use this? So there's some very exciting discussions um, and we are praying really hard about that. The other thing I think is really close to my heart is church planting. And uh, uh, it's been about two years now that we've been church planting out in Tenterden. And uh, it's been an afternoon thing, so four o'clock in the afternoon, which isn't a bad time to have church either if you think about it. Sunday morning lion, amazing. Anyway, out, out in Tenterden, they have a, 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 church, a church plant uh, out in Tenterden, uh, and that's been um, developing and changing over the last two years. Um, and uh, last time I was there, it was amazing that how full it was of real Tenterden people. It wasn't people that went out from Ashford who were the predominant people there, but it was Tenterden people coming and building. Um, and there was a real sense of God there. There's a... Um, a real sense of people who have been broken are being, and are being restored. Do you know what I mean? Um, and mornings uh, is, uh, will happen from January, so that'll be a big change. Uh, and people in the town will really feel more that it's a, a kind of established church. So that's a little bit about what's happening at Ashford. It's a, it's a great time uh, to be there. Um, and uh, my uh, uh, topic today is the church. Steve gave me a, a free reign, and I thought I would talk on the church. I know you've been doing a, a series on Genesis. I was having a look online last night. Um, but I'm going to just read a passage from Ephesians 3, verses 6 to 13. Ephesians 3, verses 6 to 13. So from verse 6. The mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. How much that was prayed about this morning, wasn't it? The unsearchable riches of Christ. And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. I'm just going to pray. 
Lord Jesus, as we look at these verses, Lord, as we talk about the church that we love so much, Lord, will you speak to us? Will you encourage us? Lord, will you use my words, Lord, and will you speak your plans and your purposes in this place, Lord Jesus? I pray for great encouragement here today. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Okay. Terry Virgo, in his book, The Spirit-Filled Church, says this. It is my conviction that local churches hold the key to world, world evangelization. The early apostles were told to go and make disciples, and they instinctively went and planted churches where discipleship could take place in a community of love, cared for by called and gifted elders. The promise of the Holy Spirit galvanized them into action, and soon they gained the reputation that they were turning the world upside down. What a lovely idea of the church that is to start with, that it turns the world upside down. I don't know about, about you, but I have, a, I have a passion for the church. My, some of my early Christian life, I spent times in the established church. I, if you, I was a choir boy. I had a cassock and a surplus. You may not imagine it now, looking angelic. I had a cassock and a surplus, and I used to sing in a choir. And then when I first went to a church, which was a restoration, a New Frontiers church, I saw this, this dynamic that was so different. It was a, 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 a community of, of believers. It was a dynamic place. It wasn't just a meeting on a Sunday. It wasn't just the, what you wore, but it was about God's kingdom advancing. And I saw such a different concept at the church that really awakened and, and has, 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 I have passion for it ever since. I like to think of it in, in this way, that God has a plan A but no plan B for changing the world, and that plan is the church. In, uh, today, I'm going to go through five points in what I'm going to say. I'm going to look at a diverse community. I'm going to look at servant leadership. I'm going to look at the unsearchable riches of Christ very briefly, and of course I can't get to the whole lot of that because it's unsearchable. The unsearchable riches of Christ. The manifold wisdom of God, and that's where, if you like, I'll dwell a bit and spend some time on The manifold wisdom of God, and then the cost of discipleship. Okay, let's start first. I'm just going to go through verse by verse. Verse 6 says this. This is the mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and members of the same body, and are partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So you have here, Paul is talking about two groups of people in the church. You've got the Jews and you've got the Gentiles. Two people from very different cultural backgrounds. Two people who maybe they sing different songs. Maybe they like different food. There's, there's this, this two distinct groups in the church that are being moulded together in this amazing way. It is uh, amazing. I'll just talk a little bit about Gateway. We were predominantly a white church. I'll be honest, up until a few years ago. And then there was one bold Nigerian couple that began to join us. And then there was another one, and then another one, and then another one. And then an Indian couple came, and another one, and another one, and another one. And suddenly it became this kind of much more diverse community. You know, when we have a fellowship meal together, the food we get now is just amazing. I mean, have you ever eaten plantain? Nigerian plantain? Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic. And you have, that, and the, I don't know, Nigerians, when they pray. 
when they pray. That they, they have the passion and the, you know, it's really touched my heart. And then I was with an, an Indian uh, brother called, called Nelson on Monday, uh, and we were walking together, and his depth of knowledge of God, you know, the time he spent fasting and praying, you know, he will pray and pray and pray. And I have been so blessed that as we've had those two nationalities, we've had other nationalities joining, and there's so many diverse people are all coming together. And that, if you like, is my, the joy I see in the church. There's people from different backgrounds all joining together. And that's true here, isn't it? Because there are older people and younger people, the people who come from different backgrounds. They've lived in different places. They've got different accents. People who've been here a few minutes. You've got children. You've got the whole group coming together in a church. And it's this amazing community. And, you know, when we go through that, we realize in ourselves we've got some prejudices, don't we? I think it's slightly strange. Actually, I, I quite like singing hymns. Or I don't like singing hymns. You know, I quite like meat and three veg. Oh, I love the curries. But you've got that kind of slight prejudices, particularly in stars of, of music sometimes. That can be really hard, can't it? I won't, I won't, I won't give away where I come from, but you, I've talked about the Catholic surplus, so you can have a, a little idea about that. But it is amazing when the church comes together, this group of strange people from all backgrounds, and it's, it's an expression that you don't see anywhere else. You don't see that in a football club. You don't see that in a group anywhere else. Ephesians 2, verses 19 to 20, talks about the gospel bringing all things together. It says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus being the cornerstone. It might be quite interesting just to look at the person next to you and see if you think they look like strangers and aliens. You don't have to do that. I can see one or two instantly looking and smiling. Well, you know. (laughs) But it is amazing what God... I will come to that again. Um later in, in another one of my points and look at it from a different perspective. So that's the first one, this wonderfully diverse community <laughs> that is the church. Okay, uh, my next point. Looking at uh, verse 7 and verse 8. Um, in verse 7, uh, Paul uses this word, the minister, according to the gift of God's grace. And in verse 8, he said he was the very least of all the saints. And I really am talking about servant leadership. There's a, an essence that we believe about the church, that, that the elders, that those that serve are, are servants. They don't lord it over us, but they're servants. I don't know about you, but I love winding up one of, well, Graham in particular. I love, I love winding him up. Don't you love, love that sometimes? I'm sure you love winding Steve up, and there's all sorts of ways I'm sure you could do that. But one of the things I know winds him up is I know it winds him up if I call him Pastor Graham. And what you may not know about, about Graham is he actually was in the Anglican church. So I sometimes say, nice sermon, vicar. Oh, 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 it wasn't a nice sermon. I'm not a vicar. Yes, okay, okay. I was just, just smiling. But there's a the point there. The reason he doesn't like that is he doesn't want himself set apart to be thought of as special. He wants to be brother. He wants to be brothers and sisters. He wants to be one of, of the group. Yes, he's got a, a ministry, that servant-heartedness. But he doesn't like that, and I can, I can really see that in him. Ah, okay, here's a question for you. 
Shout out the answer. I know there'll be one or two that know. What does the word Paulus mean in Latin? Paulus. The word Paul. Anybody? It means small. So not only did he call himself the least of the least, he was also small. So he was the small man who was the least of the least by his name. He felt himself as a servant for the church. You know, it is really interesting sometimes when you hear people preaching. There are some people who talk a lot about their ministry. Have you met people like that? It's all about my ministry. Hallelujah, brothers! It's my ministry! And when you're with... Sorry, I'm ruining the microphone. It's being a teacher, you know, I don't necessarily need a microphone. Hallelujah, brothers! Yes, you'll be here and you'll be blessed by my ministry because it's so important being here. I will show you to Jesus and it's all pointing to that person. But that's not our concept of leadership, is it? It's about serving the church. It's about putting the chairs out. It's about loving. It's about caring, isn't it? Okay. And as I was um, praying, I prayed quite a lot last night, actually, for the, for the church here. I really, I really felt it would be important that you guys said, do pray for your leaders. Pray for John. Pray for Steve. Pray for, for David as they lead the church here. You know, it's not easy. The challenges that they face at times, maybe none of us will know about some of them, but it's, it's a heavy weight. So let's, I just want to encourage you to pray for them and to bless them in what they do. The other thing I felt God uh, prompting me is that I just, just felt there are one or two here, maybe there are aspiring leaders. Maybe somebody's prompted you and said, would you like to take this on in church life? And you said, oh, I'm not sure yet. And I just felt that God wants to encourage you you know, the two things here that were mentioned, um, let's, get, let's go back to the uh, scripture here. It says that though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given. So it's a distinction of, of, of a leader, that somebody who's graceful. And, oh no, I've, I've, I'm in the wrong one. Verse, verse 7, there we are. According to the gift of God's grace which was given to me by the working of his power. So it's the power of God and that grace. Those are the two distinctives here that come out from leaders, that grace to serve and serve, even when it gets difficult. And maybe there's one or two here that God is just prompting to be involved in in leadership in some way in the church. Okay, Uh, so my uh, third point today, the unsearchable riches of Christ. And this I really could talk about endlessly. It's the breadth and the depth of salvation. It's the the words like redemption. I suppose in plain English, what does it mean? Well, it means that if I'm a Christian, I think that I haven't made it. I can't do things by myself. I'm not good enough. I can't save myself. I don't have, I know that I've done wrong things. But I know that by his grace, Jesus has saved me. And not only that, but that he will continue working on me by his grace. It's not just being saved once. It's that continual working on us so that we become more and more like Jesus, which is the the very challenge, isn't it, of the Christian life. Ephesians 2 verse 5 says this, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. 
for by grace you have been saved. The thing that always amazes me about salvation is we have this faith in Jesus, this small faith in Jesus. We just open ourselves up to Jesus. We say we want to follow him. And then he has his eternal purposes. The grace of God comes, doesn't it? He works his salvation in us. He gives us eternal life. He, he's the one that reaches out and does all the work. And I just am eternally thankful for that. Do you know, I can't talk about the church without talking about grace. I can't talk about it without talking about the cross because that's where we come to. I can't talk about it without saying that Jesus is our cornerstone. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever, it doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter who you are, seen that at Tenterton, people who are so broken, their lives have been such a mess, and God comes in and blesses them. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And I don't know you all here, here, but if you are that person who hasn't yet made that state, step, can I encourage you to do that? Talk to one of the elders here and say, how do I make that step towards Jesus? Matthew 16 verse 18 says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It's Jesus that builds his church. That takes a bit of a weight off, doesn't it? It's Jesus that builds the church. We may be his hands and feet, but it's him that builds the church. It's him who is the cornerstone. Okay, now let's have a look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, Throw that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Well, let's start with that word manifold. I know some of you may initially think of it as, as a manifold in a car. I know nothing about the inside of a car, but there is bits manifold in the car. I don't know how that relates to that, but I'm sure somebody will tell me later. But the word manifold, I know somebody here will love the Greek, is polypoikilos which means many-coloured, variegated. The best description I've heard of the word manifold is this, the intricate beauty of an embroidered pattern. It's that beauty that God winds together. Joseph's coat is a many-coloured coat, isn't it? It, it draws all those colours together and... Uh, and Actually, the, the word that's often used for that is just poikilos. So it's many, many colours, if you like. One of the things that, are, that I'm amazed at by this verse, and come with me on this, is that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the ruler's authority. How? Go back to the beginning of it. Through the church. So the wisdom of God, the many-coloured wisdom of God, is here. It's through you. It's through the church that it's demonstrated. They're amazing. The wisdom of God is here and demonstrated through the church. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that astounding that the wisdom of God is here in the room? You might want to have a look to the person left and to, to the right and you might see the manifold wisdom of God. You might have thought they were slightly strange or alien. <laughs> but actually, you've got the wisdom of God 
there next to you. John Stott on this verse says this, the church as a multiracial, multicultural community is like a beautiful tapestry. No other human community resembles it. Its diversity and harmony are unique. Um, my wife, uh, Andrea, was a uh, teacher in a school, an MFL teacher, and she felt God prompting her and speaking to her about four years ago. And he was laying on a heart a burden for people who come to this country but can't speak English. Not necessarily those who can afford to go to college, but those who drop off the bottom. Maybe those who come here and they actually work in a domestic way in a house and may have no English whatsoever. Some of the most vulnerable people in society. She began to have a burden for that. So her uh, and a lady, Sarah, began talking at, at uh, Ashford. And uh, mm. Sarah uh, was at the gate of the school. And she realised at the gate there was the English mums and the Polish mums. And there was no discussion. They kept separate groups. So Sarah, being a very bold lady, went up and she started talking to them and asked them round to their, her house and then said, well, well, would you like to learn English? Yes, yes. And their English was very limited, so I'm talking about a discussion that was probably done with fingers and toes and writing things, but it's very, very limited. Yeah, yeah. So she said, okay, Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock, come to, come to my house and we'll learn English. So there were Andrea and uh, Sarah, my wife, Andrew and Sarah, and they were praying. They started at 9 o'clock. They prayed. 9.30 came. 10 o'clock came. Nobody at the door. 10.30 came. They thought, well, praise God, we've had a good time of tear. 11 o'clock came. Nothing happened at all. So they went home and thought, well, we'll try again next week. On Thursday, two Polish ladies came to Sarah's house and said, Hello! English! And they say, but it was Tuesday. Yes, today, Tuesday. No, 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 today's Thursday. No, no, yes, Tuesday. They didn't know the difference between the word Tuesday and Thursday. Now, you think how you would survive in our community if that was your, the limit to your language. And uh, uh, Sarah and Andrew have, have worked on this and others uh, have worked. And uh, over the last four years... I was questioning Andrew. We think 150 people have gone through our courses that we run at the Hub. Um, at the moment, it's about 45 people who come a week. And I said, well, how many nations are there? Well, probably 15 or 20 nations. You know, it's the expression of the love of Christ for people who really can't afford it to be able to, be, to speak English and to begin to feel confident in another place. It is uh, amazing. I'll just tell you one more story. How am I doing for time? I'm all right. I'll t tell you one more story. Um, one of the early Esau ladies came back to see Andrea uh, about three weeks ago. And they said, and she said, hello, Andrea. She was from, from China. Hello, Andrea. I want to get baptized. I want to get baptized. Ah, oh, brilliant. Great. You want to get baptized. Well, we'll talk about that. She then realized that she wasn't a Christian. She just had seen Christians at Esau. She'd observed Christians and she said, that's what I want. 
And so I need to get baptised, rather like, you know, signing on the, the dotted line when you get married or whatever. That was the piece of paper she wanted because she knew about it. It is so encouraging hearing um, what God's doing. And I, I, I say those stories not to say how wonderful my wife is, although she is wonderful and beautiful. Uh, not, not, so, not so much that, but just to, to encourage you to be creative in your outreach. Because the verse there talks about speaking to the principalities and powers. It talks about the, the outworking of the community. I just want to, insp- to, to inspire you and say, be creative with reaching out. Where are the places where people are being missed out in society? The places of need. What could you do? We've got a lady who runs a chronic pain group in our hub. Just a group of ladies who got together under the NHS and now meet together regularly. And we have people giving them testimonies now, coming in and sharing their testimony. What, what could you do? You see, I think sometimes we dismiss ourselves and we think, I couldn't do that. And I can't tell you how many times Andrea said to me, I couldn't do this, I can't do this. But actually, through the manifold wisdom of God, working together, God will grant you things that you're doing to impact the community, to show Jesus' love out there in the community, to break down the barriers. Amen? Amen. Right. Uh, Acts 10, verse 38. This is a a verse uh, that I love. It says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He went about doing good. That's our, one of our commissions, if you like, to go about doing good, to blessing the community. Uh, I really believe in, in following the scripture here, and as I, I went through, I thought, shall I finish with verse 12, because that's access through confidence of our faith in him. It's slightly triumphal, isn't it? And then we get to verse 13, it's not quite the same, isn't it? So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for your glory. And it's interesting, when Paul wrote this, when little, little man, little Paul wrote this, where was he? Well, if you look in, uh, is it verse 1 of chapter 3? He was in prison. And there was a cost to what he did. And I don't want to lay it on you in a, in, a, in a kind of heavy way, but there are sometimes costs for the gospel. I have to admit, when I first became a Christian, I became a Christian when I was 13, I thought, do you know what? Life's going to be easy from now on in. I've made it. God, God's going to come, you know, it's going to be com- a comfortable life. How wrong I was. It's an amazing life, isn't it, being a Christian? Such a challenge. God blesses you so much. But there are times when you have to count the cost sometimes financially, with your time, with other things. But it was in that state, in prison, in chains, that Paul was extolling the glories of the manifold wisdom of God in the church. Isn't that amazing? That's what he he grasped. He had that, that grasp of the joy of the cross. He had a grasp of the unsearchable riches of Christ. So I've gone through those kind of five elements from uh, that uh, passage in Ephesians. I encourage you to read it. It's so rich, isn't it, in the way it speaks about the church. And uh, 
how honest shall I be? I've, I've got to be honest, last night I didn't sleep well. You know, sometimes you don't sleep, there would be people here who don't sleep well. And I said, come on, Lord, I want to be able to communicate well. I wasn't sleeping, and I just felt that God really wanted to bless you as a church. I thought he was challenging me, and he really wants to encourage you as a church. I really felt that, and I prayed about it, and I said, come on, Lord, what, what is it that I'm, I'm not sleeping hour after hour last night? And it was all about God wants to encourage you. My, my sense in the spirit, there might be one or two of you here who are discounting yourselves, either from serving in the church or from, from somewhere, you're discounting yourself, saying, well, they can do it. You know, Steve can do it because he plays the guitar. Or, or you know, they can do it because, because they know a lot about the Bible. But actually, God wants to use you to use uh, Terry Virgo's phrase to turn the world upside down. He wants to use you. He doesn't discount you. Don't discount yourself because of your past. Don't discount yourself because of of your self-confidence. But God wants to use you to turn the world upside down. He wants to use you to affect the culture of how Herm Bay works. He wants to use you to affect the orphans that we're hearing about earlier. He wants to use you to draw together that amazing community of Christ. That shows to the world what it really means to follow Christ. So that's the, the first thing. I think there might be one or two of you here, that creative outreach that I mentioned, that, that God's speaking to you. And if that's you, I just want to prompt you. Don't let it go. Yeah? Pray about your idea. Pray about what God's saying to you. And then go and talk to the elders and say, you know, what about this? I've got, I've got this idea. Can I talk to you about it? What, what do you think about this? You know, use, use, use that, that amazing creativity that God has given you. And the other, the other um, group is just, just one or two here that I think God is just prompting in terms of leadership. And I just want to nudge you and just say, come on, you can do it. In the grace of God and in his power, you can do it. I'm kind of landing here. Is it okay if I, if I pray? If we pray together, it'll be all right, Steve? Okay. Do you, would it be good to stand? Do you want to stand?